And we welcome you into the first gateway to baseball heaven of the 2021 baseball season. I'm your host, Daniel Shopdell, C70th bat at C70 on Twitter. With me is always Tara Wellman from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. Um, Cardinals have played three games. After Thursday's game, everybody was very, very excited. Tonight, not as much. The Cardinals dropped the last two in Cincinnati and do so in fairly ugly fashion. Tara, I think if you had said, if you were somebody had told you that the first three starters were going to lead to an team ERA of a 9.72 after the first series, um, don't think you would have believed them. This was a pitching, I don't want to say debacle, but it definitely wasn't what they drew up. No, it highlighted what a lot of concerns were probably about to some extent with the the pitching staff from start to finish, really. There were some solid performances mixed in throughout there. So, you know, it's not as if there was nothing to be positive about in the opening series. But yeah, not quite the we're here to win the division type moment <laughs> that everyone was hoping for as they, they came out of spring training. I think it's very easy to see some ugly performances like we saw and panic. Um, And I know nobody likes the phrase it's early, but at the same time, three games in, I think there's plenty of room to say, okay, that didn't work. Let's try something else or let's try it again and see if it works better the next time. So I technically didn't see any of Sunday's game. So I'm going to just, pretend it didn't happen and be a lot happier with my life as a result of it that would be really convenient wouldn't it you know just oh i didn't see that game it didn't actually happen so um yeah i understand that it is early it's a three-game series in a ballpark that is known for offense that the cardinals put up some runs you know they put up six in the very first inning that they played they put up 11 total in that game they scored six the day after um, and then, you know, of course, struggled today, but, you know, they put up some runs. They just gave up more of them, and that's what we're not used to seeing. Uh, the Cardinals, to be a tolerable offensive team and a not-so-tolerable pitching team is a, a shift in the paradigm, isn't it? We're not. That's not what this is, how we drew this up. <laughs> no, and that's one of the things coming into this season that I talked with Alex about on chirps. And I know we've talked about that. There was this part of me that was like, are we, are we thinking about this wrong? (laughs) What is this team going to be like? Because it does seem a little bit uh, unusual, uncomfortable almost to um, see the pitching as such a, a potential weakness. And, and the reality is there's still a lot of potential there on the positive side of things too. So I, I guess that's in part why it's easy for me to say, mm, yeah, it's three games, don't panic. Everyone just take a deep breath and, and let's see what happens, you know, three weeks from now or three months from now at, the, at that. So um, there's, uh, it's going to take a little bit, I think, to figure out who this version of the Cardinals is because they did go out and make significant changes offensively in you know terms of Nolan Arenado and they have the pieces in that lineup to make that the strength that it hasn't been in years past they have the pieces in the pitching 
staff to be really solid there. But as we've continued to reiterate, lots of question marks, lots of unknowns, lots of ways that can fall apart quickly. So maybe this is going to look like a very different version of the St. Louis Cardinals than we've seen recently. And that isn't necessarily better or worse. I think we'll obviously see that as time goes along. It just means we may see them win in different ways than they have before. And we may see them lose in different ways than they have in the recent past as well. You're to, to jump on your it's early um, statement, which is very, very true. <laughs> I always like to point out because it's something that I've seen a few years ago and I've always tried to remember it that in 1998, Yankees started off one and four. Um, they won 114 games that year. So, um, I'll take that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with that. If, if this sort <laughs> of, you know, just, just how you start that first week doesn't, isn't necessarily how it's going to be. And, and I mean, mm-hmm. how many teams have we seen fall apart, you know, lead into, into June or even July, um, and then fly, fade or another team catch up. So you're right. You can't draw a lot out of, of the three games, but I think what, you have to talk about out of this series for various reasons is Nicholas Castellanos. Um, (laughs) I mean, the fact, as they pointed out in the broadcast that he went three for 35 against the Cardinals last year, he got six hits in three games. Um, He has, uh, and that's not counting the the hit that he put on Jake Woodford. Um, (laughs) You know, two homers, five RBI, um, pretty much was a one-run record crew uh, in this series. Even in the in the first game, um, when the the Reds got down, he you know hit a home run in that game that that helped bring them back a bit. Um, and then there was the brawl, the brawl that's you know Brandon Phillips picked pricked up his ears because his name was being mentioned quite a bit. Um, for a guy that it's it's really rare, I think, that a guy that is being hated is a former cub, not an actual cub. You know I mean? This, did he bring it over with him? I don't know, but he's definitely on the, you know, most wanted list, I guess, for Cardinal fans. Yeah. And to be fair, I've never been particularly, uh, the, the whole reds thing for me, <laughs> as much as the Cubs and the Cardinals are rivals in the sense that they always have been. And, and that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the team that I have the hardest time with is probably the Reds. And there are reasons for that that no one really cares about. And some of it's probably, you know, insignificant and, and silly, but that's sports. But man, if anyone needed a reason for why the Reds are at or near the top of my list of teams to not like, that whole situation was right up there in in giving a good explanation. Um, no, I, Castellanos is the guy that, you know, we saw him as a Cub come in as the guy that was supposed to change everything for them. And when it happened, we were like, really? That's your, that's your big move? And he had some success and took advantage of that in working it into follow-up contracts and, and all of that. But uh, there's so much, there's so much about that. I guess I should say there's a difference in that sort of confidence and swagger that may rub opponents the wrong way, but is mostly fine and harmless. And then the, the bravado that's like 
totally unnecessary mm-hmm. and aggressive without any benefit. I, I don't know. It was just it was it was weird and uncomfortable to watch him freak out at, at Jake Woodford and <laughs> the look on Woodford's face mm-hmm. w- was like, what is happening right now? <laughs> and uh, of course, you know, no one, I tweeted this, but there's no way Yadier Molina is going to let anyone talk to, especially a rookie pitcher like that. Right. So, uh, you know, Yadier Molina plays on the edge emotionally and we've seen him lose his cool about things that realistically when you step back you're like eh, probably that probably wasn't necessary mm-hmm. i mean love the guy but probably not necessary this was a case where i was 100 percent behind the reaction from yadier molina in terms of like that he yadier molina is the guy that these pitchers need to have confidence in and, and to know that he's got their back and he he did in that moment in every way and then the brawl that ensued look i know that there were baseball ramifications of all of that and i get it the cardinals didn't end up you know coming back and winning the game and and all that those things but there were so many moments <laughs> there were so many moments so many images from the photos taken of that that i, I just like I want to call out Nolan Arenado because uh, if anyone was nearly as angry as Yadier Molina was, it was Arenado, who's mm-hmm. the new guy and wasn't a part of anything that happened just then, except that, you know, tough guy Castellanos yelled at his new teammate. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt looked like he was actually shouting and angry, which is really spectacular because Paul Goldschmidt barely ever makes any sort of facial expression at all for better or worse. And then whatever happened in the the outfield with the bullpen guys and you know Justin Williams being pushed away and then Jordan Hicks absolutely losing his mind. I mean, there are so many pieces of this that I have so many questions about that we'll never know, but no one was hurt, which is great because <laughs> uh, it's not always the case in brawls with Cincinnati. And as a result, the commentary after the fact has been wildly entertaining. But to your point, Cassianos is not making any friends in St. Louis or maybe in the perception outside of Cincinnati but we know from Brandon Phillips and company, this is exactly the kind of thing that makes you a folk hero mm-hmm. <laughs> for Reds fans. So he's good to go on that front. Well, yeah. I mean, and this is the kind of thing that, I mean, this week they were booing Yadier Molina. I mean, and that brawl was what? And Dylan Carlson. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, the brawl was what? When the 2010, right? So 11 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking, and they're still booing Yadi or Molina. Um, these things do take on a life of their own. I, I will imagine that it will be a long time before Castellanos gets anything sort of a tepid reaction in St. Louis, um, I would imagine. But the bigger issue really is that's, you know, he's not necessarily a guy that you would expect to destroy your team. Um, 
and he did. Um, and it kind of gets back to that pitching issues that we saw. I mean, Jack Flaherty, given that sixth run lead in the first, can't make it through five. Adam Wainwright pitches two perfect innings, can't make it out of the third. Um, Carlos Martinez, you know, pitched five today. Um, kind of got, he, he looked pretty good at times. Um, made a mistake to Castellanos. I was the biggest, the biggest thing. Um, but then the bullpen, <laughs> well, the bullpen, <laughs> um, it's, it's hard to, you're looking for that lifeline of, of some sort of optimistic thing. And there's just not a lot. I mean, when the front of your rotation starts off like this, you go to Miami and you've got Daniel Ponce de Leon and the John Gant, um, you're a little concerned about that, but then, you know, you know, you got where, where are they going to get the wins? I guess is what we're looking at. And I know they're coming, but after that week, that first weekend, you just kind of, you have to sit back and say, is there something we're missing? Uh, well, it's far too early to pull out the, I told you so's and <laughs> see, I knew they should have, because as we said earlier, it's, there, there's only so much you can extrapolate from three games, even three bad games right. in terms of what the pitching looked like. But it is difficult to not see what happened in these first three games and go, see, <laughs> we thought this might be a problem mm-hmm. um, because it is concerning. I, I think, look, I'm, I'm still, I wouldn't say concerned about Jack Flaherty. I think, when your team scores as many runs as you do, you don't have to be as perfect. And mm-hmm. so you can throw more strikes, which then leads to you know more hits and sure. those, those sorts of things. So I'm not super worried about that. I think, you know, ideally you'd like to see Jack go deeper into games at some point. But again, that's part of the process. The Adam Wainwright thing, hopefully a little fluky mm-hmm. because we saw much more from him in spring training. But with Wayno, it's always going to be, oh, is this it? Oh, is this where he hits the wall? Oh, is there, you know, some injury that we're going to find out about? Or is it just he's getting older? So I think every time Wayno struggles, there's going to be a little hint of that, but to be determined. And uh, as far as Carlos Martinez is concerned, what's wild is that there are some really positive things to take away from him going five innings and, uh, you know, not giving up a whole slew of runs all at once. Um, But, you know, then when the bullpen does that for you, Mm-hmm. gets a little weird. Ryan Helsley is definitely a concern at this point. And he, while I wouldn't say he's the core piece of the bullpen in terms of, oh, if he struggles, this is going to go downhill in a hurry. I would say this is my super hard hitting analysis because you could say this about literally anyone at any time. Uh, but if he is the good version of Ryan Helsley that we've seen, it does a massive it's a it's a massive boost for the just the way that you can spread out those bullpen arms and use them in different situations. Um, again, not super hard hitting analysis because, duh, if he's the team would be better if he's good is not really not really rocket science as far as analysis goes. But we've seen what Helsey's capable of in the past. I don't we certainly haven't seen it in his first couple of appearances um, so far in the regular season. So that's a piece that concerns me because he just hasn't seemed right. And um, that's, you know, how do you work that out while 
trying to not give up runs. We've seen guys do it. We've seen guys try to do it and fail at doing that. Um, so Helsley looking like he has is is a bit of a concern as much as anything else is to me at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's just two outings. But I've never seen a whip that's 5.25, um, <laughs> I don't think. Um, you know, two walks today, you know, four runs. And honestly, this line, as bad as it looks, could have easily been worse because he was basically gifted uh, out of a, of a jam on Thursday when Tyler Stevenson decided there were just, <laughs> I guess, thought there were two outs. That's all we could figure. Took off for third, got doubled off, off that fly ball to, to Tyler O'Neill. But, you know, it could have could have been worse. And I don't know, it just doesn't seem like Helsley's been able to get enough over the strike zone um, or in full batters enough. Um, and you're right. I think, you know, we're still trying to figure out how they're going to use this bullpen. You know, we're not on a really good um, start to this Alex Reyes hundred innings thing. Um, <laughs> since he threw one this weekend, um, as far as I know, unless I missed one, um, we're still trying to determine, you know, you know, there's talk about, multiple innings, but I don't think we've had a chance to do too much of that, seen too much of that. Um, and if Helsley struggles, I mean, yeah, you could see Cody Whitley come up, although he may come up for Jake Woodford um, as well. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there are options and ways to do, but you'd still just like to, to and it, it may just still take a little bit of time, but you'd like to feel confident about, everybody that comes in and before this series, I think we did. I think we thought, okay, we look at this roster and yeah, what Woodford's maybe an iffy one, but everybody else on this team, they come in, they should be able to do their job. And when they didn't necessarily do that, or at least not efficiently, I mean, even in the first game with Dennis Esquerra walking a couple of guys, even Alex Reyes gave up a hit in the walk and made the ninth inning, not dicey, but you know, still, more more difficult than it needed to be um when you have a lot of that you start wondering <clears throat> when are you going to feel confident about these guys again yeah i think time is the unfortunate right. and only answer yeah. because they can't work out those kinks if they're not on the field throwing and we can't get an answer to whether they can or can't until we see them do it against major league hitters in different ballparks and away from the familiarity of the spring training facilities in Florida and you know, all those differences come into play when you're looking at stabilizing the the results from guys, particularly in the bullpen, I think, because it can be so volatile and um, inconsistent just by its nature. But the reality is the bullpen needs to be the strength of this team because that's how the roster is built. <laughs> this bullpen falling apart early and often is not going to allow the starting rotation to, um, you know, be, it's not, it's not going to complement the starting rotation in the way that it needs to based on the guys who are in the starting rotation and the things that we have already discussed and will continue to discuss about each one of those spots with guys like Kim and Michaelis out of the equation for now, there are a lot of innings that need to be covered 
by either starters or guys who are stepping into that spot when they're really not starters. And that can shuffle all the pieces in the bullpen. But this is a bullpen that's built to be able to handle that because as you said we don't quite know how they're going to use all the the arms that they have there but they have enough arms that are versatile enough that they shouldn't have to go into any game in any situation and go uh we really don't like this guy here but we don't have any other options because that's not how this bullpen was designed and how it was built but when the options that you should have aren't performing they're not getting the results that you need uh, you know that complicates things very quickly so yes I, I think the bullpen needs to be a strength of this team and I do think it will be I just you know the question at the beginning of a season is how long is it going to take for things to stabilize how long is it going to take for you to figure out the, the right roles and the right responsibilities and how much time do you have to kind of mess with that formula before it starts to cost you overall? Yeah, it's, um, you know, there's, there's, there's going to be things to, to work out. And again, all we can do is judge on three games. And we know that that's, you know, in three games, anybody can look like a Hall of Famer. Anybody can look like, you know, a guy that doesn't deserve to be in baseball. You just never know. So we just have, you're right. It just takes time to sort that out. Um, the flip side, uh, you know, there were some positive things on the offense this um, this week um, and defensively. I think there was a play today that you missed. I know, as you said, not, you missed it. It was early on in today's game that Tommy Edmond made a play that, honestly, Colton Wong would have probably made. I mean, it was one of those uh, diving stops that would have been uh, in that regard. Obviously, Colton would probably do them a little bit more often. But um, Edmond... Playing solid defense, we've got good um, offensive production out of Goldschmidt and Arenado. Um, we've had a very consistent lineup, the same lineup out there three days in a row. Um, what is your impression of the offense so far? I, I like what I've seen. I think that there is a lot to be excited about. I'm very interested to see how Paul DeYoung continues to maybe hopefully manage some of the streakiness because at times in his career, we've seen him get off to a really hot start or have a really, you know, great week and a half and then kind of fall off the map for a week or two or three or more. (laughs) And that's not really going to work out so well if he's going to stay in that cleanup spot. It's funny, but in on opening day, I I made a comment to somebody. I said, I don't, I don't know how I feel about Paul DeYoung in this cleanup spot. And then of course, you know, he, does what he does and drives in runs and then hits home runs throughout the series and looks really great. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm, (laughs) I'm fine with Paul DeYoung in that spot if that's what he's going to look like. But I'll be curious to see if, as we've mentioned many times, the idea of Paul Goldschmidt and Olin Arnato in back-to-back spots can take some of the pressure off, can, you know, allow Paul uh, DeYoung to, whether it's see better pitches or, have runners on base ahead of him more often or whatever it is. It'll be interesting to see if that does in fact play a role in the the success that he has. And quite honestly, if he gets the days off that it seems like he needs to stay fresh and that helps with the offense as well as the defense. But you know, Arnado's fun to watch. Goldschmidt hitting baseballs really hard is fun to watch. And uh, everybody contributing throughout is is really cool to see. I think um, there are plenty of 
things to be skeptical about in terms of, cool, I'm glad Tyler O'Neill had a good opening day. What's he going to do after that? Or I'm glad that, you know, Tommy Edmonds scored a couple of runs, but what's he going to do when, you know, he's striking out a lot instead of getting on base a lot? Because we've seen that from him. And, you know, there's plenty of things to, to point at in that nature. But this offense did seem like it had a little bit more, a little bit more punch to it than it has in the past, just in terms of you can't take a break for two or three or four guys in the lineup. And that allowed them to put a bunch of runs on the board early. Now, they didn't replicate that on Sunday, but that's baseball. That's going to happen. And I, I think there's there's a lot to be excited about as this lineup kind of gels and they figure out um, you know, how to help each other from at bat to at bat and create, once again, maybe that fear factor in the lineup that hasn't been there for quite a while. Yeah, um, you're talking about Paul DeYoung's streakiness, and of course today he went over four with three strikeouts um, right. after hitting two home runs yesterday. Yeah, I'm still not 100% sure about what I think about him in that cleanup spot either. I agree with you that he can be good, but uh, but you know, it's one of those things where I think he's there until somebody like O'Neill or Carlson shows that they should have it, and if they don't, then he'll be there for a while. Yeah, I, yeah, and I, I will say. If Carlson does what we all expect him to do, he's not going to be that far down in the lineup for very long. So that the the steadiness of the lineup now may shuffle a bit once that starts to work itself out. Because he's definitely the other piece of that mix that you're like, uh, you should probably be higher, but let's see it first. <laughs> there is some interesting things. If you look at this box score today, um, Andrew Kisner got two at-bats today. Maybe the earliest a backup catcher has had two events <laughs> in, I don't know when. Um, and the fact that Yadier Molina didn't play all of a 12 to one game is kind of interesting too. But um, uh, Edmundo Sosa came in and pinch hit for Nolan Arenado instead of Paul DeYoung um, and then played third base instead of shortstop as DeYoung played the whole game. Interesting decision. Again, I didn't see the last half of this game, so I don't know if there's some other things that go with that, but um, but maybe to just to kind of wrap it up a little bit, Justin Williams, um, over three today, three strikeouts, over nine in the series with five strikeouts. Schilt says he likes his approach, he likes his aggressiveness. Um, where do we go with that? I mean, obviously, with Harrison Bader out, I feel like Justin Williams is in a pretty good spot. I don't think Austin Dean's going to play on a regular basis more than. Um, unless it gets really bad, but you know, where are we with Justin Williams? I guess is the best part again with the fact that it's only been three games. Right. Well, I think without any sort of intention of, of discrediting the work that Justin Williams did this spring, I do think it's valuable and relevant to realize that if Harrison Bader was healthy, he doesn't likely make this roster. Mm -hmm. At all. So he goes from probably not making the roster to being the starter on opening day and getting plenty of opportunities in that opening weekend to show what he did in the spring. So I would say two things. One, the expectations of him, I, I think, have to be realistic in terms of there's lots of potential there, but it's not potential that's been um, realized in the 
on the major league level yet. The second part of that is a close follow-up because he hasn't had those opportunities yet. Mm-hmm. So this is all new and unfamiliar and the pressure may be greater. And the, uh, the, just the, the, I don't know, the opening weekend thing I have to imagine as a, a big leaguer for the first time is a lot to take in and to experience and to then try to pull it back in and, and play baseball. So Similar to what we said about pitching, I don't take a whole lot from it except to say that what he's going to have to do is make adjustments. And being aggressive is great. Coaches love to talk about how much they appreciate an aggressive player, Mm -hmm. but an aggressive player who's not getting results is just aggressive and they don't give bonus points in baseball for that. So the aggressiveness is fine. Um, I think we have seen him. I mean, opening day, he made a spectacular play in the outfield, yeah, and that's great. Yeah. Um, so there's there's all that sort of bottled up capability there. But if it doesn't translate from what we saw in the spring to what we see in, in the regular season, I think it's fair to say, okay, how long do you stick with this before you try one of your other outfield options? Because you certainly have them. And then maybe, you know, you give him a, a chance to calm down and get things right and take a few extra uh, ABs in the cage or whatever it is and then set him back out there. So what do we do with Justin Williams at this point? I I think, you know, a day off and then give him another shot at it and see if he can translate the skill and the hard work and the capability into results on the major league level. And, And again, sometimes that just takes time. And what gets frustrating is when you see wins and losses that don't really care about your time Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they're going to add up one way or the other. And, you know, we all would like for the Cardinals to win 162 games every year and then sweep their way through the postseason. But we also know that's not going to happen. So Justin Williams is one of those guys that I was so excited to see him make the opening day roster. I was excited to see him get the opening day start, uh, knowing that this wasn't likely going to be a flawless execution of bringing a guy up who's just never going to struggle ever again because baseball doesn't work like work like that especially when you're maybe a bubble guy that still has a little bit to prove so I, I it's without Harrison Bader he's going to get a lot of opportunity when Harrison Bader comes back I don't know he's gonna have to have proven something in this opportunity that he has now to claim his spot in any lineup on any given day over the the three guys that kind of were penciled in to be there every day when the season started. Yeah. It's, you know, who knows? Maybe he'll come out and hit, you know, 500 in the, in the series against the Marlins. And we will say, Oh, this is why we're just a Williams is here. Um, hopefully so. Cause you're right. I mean, he had more at bats in this series than he'd had in his entire career at the big league level. Right. So, um, this there is there is a little bit of, of you know trepidation I am sure and, a, and, a, and an idea of wanting to impress so you know I don't think it's time to necessarily kick him off the boat just yet um, although you know I don't it's there's only 159 games left so trying to make up that running out of time man. that game difference in the, in the win loss column is just I mean I don't know it's tough but. Uh, We'll see. I will say one thing uh, before we wrap tonight. It was a little bit 
maybe hardening to some degree it's that everybody's and not everybody, but a lot of people's predictions of, Oh, they're going to run Matt Carpenter out there all the time. were not true. <laughs> Matt Carpenter got, you know, three plate appearances in this series, walked once, um, struck out once, got out the other time. So um, it still feels like at least for right now, it's just uh, you know, maybe one start a week type of thing for Matt Carpenter and, Everybody that is just all doom and gloom about, well, they're going to play him no matter what he does seems to be inaccurate. Yeah. And I I think that rightfully so. I I don't think there was any part of me that thought they were going to just completely ignore the results between Matt Carpenter and say Tommy Edmond Mm -hmm. and just do something absolutely ridiculous because it's Matt Carpenter. You know, I will say I would love to see him work his way into making that a difficult conversation, a difficult decision every day. Who do we put out there and what's going to be the best for the team or work his way into being a really valuable pinch hitter kind of guy until maybe there's another opportunity there. But until that happens, you can't just at some point the the legacy or the uh, you know, past performance can't dictate what you're doing with the team now. So I'm glad that we're seeing that, though I will be even more glad if we do see Matt Carpenter at some point return to form a little bit. Yeah. It would be it would be nice, but uh again, we just have to I don't think anyone's it. holding their breath. No, I hope not, because they may be passed out on the floor by now. So. <laughs> All right. Well the Cardinals do have three games in Miami before coming home and facing uh getting to play in front of cardinal fans for the first time in over a year even though it won't be a full house i, I have not heard what kind of festivities they're going to have i assume they'll be a I've little wondered bit, about that too yeah a little bit more muted i don't know i mean if i mean no i don't know if horses can contract covid so <laughs> i'd like to think that the clyde sales will still be running around but uh you just Never know. It would seem to be that the Hall of Famers will not be there. And we know, obviously, uh, even if they were, that loss of Lou Brock and Bob Gibson will be felt no matter uh, on opening day. But hopefully we're having better games to talk about. And these are just little momentary blips that we forget about quickly. Um, But either if they are or if they aren't, Tara and I will be with you next week to talk about it. So until then, for Tara, I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans, thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click Subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in Baseball Heaven.